you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and be turning to the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're going to read about six verses of Scripture there this morning. And as you're turning there, a couple of weeks ago, I began a series that I felt like the Lord impressed upon me to deal with um, just simply uh, simplifying what has been wrongfully complicated uh, in the church. You know, some things in this life are just naturally complex and naturally complicated. Uh, I think everybody would agree, politics, right? Complex and complicated. Don't talk about them at church. Somebody say amen. Uh, they're, just, they're just complex and complicated. Uh, I don't know if you know about this or not. I don't know much about it, but the sport called cricket, it's known as the most difficult sport in the world to understand. Uh, all kinds of things have been complicated, but the reason for this series is because our faith, your faith, was never supposed to be complex or confusing. Man has this propensity to make things harder than they should be. And when we read the Bible, we find that when Jesus arrives on the scene in this world, man had severely complicated things uh, to the degree. Remember, I talked in the first sermon that there were 10 commandments that they had taken and made 613 laws, of which one of those had 39 subcategories. I mean, that's just overly complicated. So in the first message of the series, I challenged you to really ask yourself if you are truly a disciple. We, remember we said being disciples, uh, we are disciples because disciples choose to obey. It's a choice. You have a choice to obey. So this leads me to a conclusion. If we are going to be disciples, then not only must we follow the exa example of Jesus, but we must also follow the example of the disciples in the Bible. If they were disciples because they obeyed, then what did they do? Exactly what did they do that we need to follow? Let me pose the question another way. Throughout the years, the local church as you've known it, regardless of what denomination you grew up in or attended, the local church as you have known it has typically defined a disciple uh, in one of the easiest and clearly, most clearly expressed ways. And that is to say a disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is. A fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I think that they are right. But my question is this morning is what is a disciple fully devoted to? Say devoted. Let me tell you what the word devote means. Devote means to give all or a large part of one's time or resources to a person, an activity, or a cause. Let me say that again. To be devoted is to give all or at least a large portion of one's time and or resources to a person, an activity, or a cause. So what were the disciples devoted to? Fortunately, we are told clearly in the scripture what they were devoted to. If you'll stand with me. All over the room this morning, we're going to read six verses of Scripture in the book of Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42, and I will be reading from the New International Version, the NIV. Acts 2 and 42, the word says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Those four things. Everyone, say everyone. Everyone was filled with awe. 
at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They simply devoted themselves to four things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, which is the word of God, and to prayer. And everybody was filled with awe at the wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord, here's the good part, added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning the second message, part two in the sermon series I've titled Simplicity. Today we're going to be talking about students. You didn't know you were coming to school today, did you? We're going to talk about students. If you will, pray with me and for me. Father, we just love you. We praise you. We thank you for your awesomeness that we've already felt in this service today. God, we can't add anything to or take anything away from your word. So we just ask that for the next few moments you would anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word today. God, don't let me speak my words or the enticing words of men's wisdom. But let me, let me speak your word today in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. God, let us take the word today and apply it to our hearts. And God, I'm asking you today that you would change us from who we are into who you've called us to be by and through your word today. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap of praise as you're seated this morning. We are clearly told exactly what the disciples were devoted to in the scripture. The very first one is that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's what the Bible says. Man, I wish we had a record of those lessons, don't you? I mean, I wish that we had a document where those teachings were written down so that we could devote ourselves to those teachings, don't you? Some of y'all looking at me like I got four eyes. I say that tongue-in-cheek this morning because we do. We have a document that all of those teachings were written down in and it's called the Holy Scriptures or the Holy Bible. And we can study it every day. We can read what those disciples were hearing that was being spoken about right in that passage of Scripture. So plain and simple, the disciples were devoted to study of Scripture. And in fact, the Apostle Paul comes along and he instructs those of us who want to obey to devote, we're talking about being devoted again, to devote ourselves to this same practice. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, I don't usually use the amplified version, but I thought this was really good the way it breaks down this scripture. It says, study and do your best to present yourself to God approved, a workman tested by trial who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. So the early disciples, and then Paul, we find giving instruction to his disciple, Timothy, reveal that disciples should study. So true disciples are students, that's why we're talking about students today, of the word. Most of us, after we get out of school, have an aversion to the concept of studying, right? I'm done with that. I'm, I'm over it and I'm done. So we have substituted 
in this society that we live in, and here's the thing, we have some school teachers in the room this morning that could testify to this. Not only have those that have gotten out of school made this substitution, a lot of times those in school today have made this substitution. We have substituted listening for learning. There is a difference. There is a difference between, uh, now I like, anybody like audiobooks? I like audiobooks. It's because I can listen in the car and all that good stuff, but it never fails. I get more out of reading the book than I do out of the audiobook. We've substituted in this society listening for learning. But I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture that he's still got on the screen, the Scripture does not say listen to the Word and grow in ability to handle the Word. He says study and do your best to present yourself to God approved, a workman who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Now, I am not discounting the necessity or the benefit of hearing the word. But can I tell you this morning, however, too many of us only want to learn from somebody else's work. Can I get an amen? The result is we simply don't study the word like we should. We have a tendency to become lazy. We don't like that word in this society because it's truth. I said we don't like that word in this society because it's truth. We live in a society that don't, some of them don't, if I, and if I get on your toes, just, you'll just have to forgive me because I'm just going to tell you the truth. We live in a society that some folks don't not work because they can't work. They don't work because they won't work. Uh-huh. And they think that everybody else owes something to them. They want something from everybody else's work. Where do you think that that welfare system comes from? It gets cut out of your check every two weeks or every week, however you get paid. You're paying for it. They're benefiting from somebody else's work. That's the society we live in today. The result is we become lazy. And we expect to be spoon-fed. Like Pastor John said last week, he was talking about auditors last Sunday. How many people remember that? That was good. He said they want all the data without doing any of the work. They want all the information, but they don't want to do any of the work. Can I tell you this morning, do not substitute listening for learning in your life. Don't expect that when you come to the house of God, whether it's me or a guest minister or your Sunday school teacher or whoever, that everybody is supposed to do all the work and give you all the information. It's your due diligence. You've got a copy of the Word of God so you can read it for yourself. We must ingest and digest this Word for ourselves. Give me Bible for that, Pastor. I will. Ezekiel chapter 3 Verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to read verse 10, but let's focus on 1 through 3 first. He said, the voice said to me, Son of man, eat what I'm giving you. Eat it. Eat this scroll. The scroll was what the word was written down on. He says, then go and give its message to the people of Israel. Eat it first, ingest it and digest it first, and then go give its message to the people of Israel. No, don't go to that scripture yet. I will get there in a minute. Um, eat it and, 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 I, and digest it first. 
before you take its message to the people of Israel. Can I tell you this morning, one of the problems in the church world today is we have got too many people standing in pulpits across America that are trying to tell everybody else what to do They're trying to tell everybody else how to live, but they're not eating the Word of God for themselves. And beyond that, we've got too many chiefs in the church and not enough Indians. Too many folks that want to tell somebody else what's wrong in their life. They want to pick on what's wrong with their children, pick on what's wrong in their family, but they're not reading the Word of God for themselves. Can I tell you this morning, if you'll read the Word of God, if you'll ingest it and digest it for yourself, you will not have time to find fault with anybody else's family. It won't just be about your foreign no more you won't have time to pick on somebody else because if you're ingesting and digesting the word it will bring enough to light in your life that you'll have to work on for yourself it'll reveal some things to you about your children it'll reveal some things to you about your job and your relationships with the people you work with I've known some people that were totally different people in the church than they were on the job. Oh, I struck a chord right there. I don't know who, don't want to know who. I can tell you this. Here's a good example. I was 16 years old, got my first job on a switchboard in a business office. And the lady that ran the business office was a deacon's wife at the local church that I grew up in. She gave me my first job. I was raised good old-fashioned Southern Baptist. Amen, somebody. Good old-fashioned Southern Baptist. They hooped and they hollered and they yelled amen during the preaching. And it wasn't, you know, some of you all that talk about, you know, falling asleep at the Baptist church, I don't know what that was like. One night they were singing, it gets sweeter as the days go by. And I was doing my math homework on a Sunday night. And some lady right behind me went, My math book went flying across the pew. I don't know what that's like. It was Southern Baptist. That's the way it was for me. But I said all that to say this. That's the way I was raised. And um, in, in this day and time, so many people want something that they're not willing to read for themselves. So many people want to act like they have something that if they would read this book would reveal to them they don't have. So I was on my job. I was 16 years old, and and the the deacon's wife gave me the job. And in church, church, when service was going on, she was one of the loudest people in the congregation. Amen, preacher. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's right. Come on, you know some of those people. And you're sitting there looking at them, but I I didn't know anything at that time. I hadn't been on my job a week when something happened in the business office that she didn't like. She wasn't mad at me. She just forgot I worked there. And she come across the business office cussing a blue streak, slamming things, and cussing and carrying on and I just sat there on the switchboard like and when she saw me sitting there like 
she remembered, oh, yeah, I gave him a job, and he works here. Why did you say all that, Pastor? Because when you read this word, when it's more than just lip service, when you study these scriptures, you won't have to worry about those things coming out in your life. Because the word will show you where you need to change and you won't do those things to begin with. Say amen, somebody. Now he says, so I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll. He ingested the word. Fill your stomach with this, he said. And when I ate it, listen at this, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Skipping on down to verse 10. Then he added, son of man, let all my words sink deep into your own heart first. Let them sink into your own heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourselves. One of the issues that I see today is also one of the earliest tricks the enemy uses against mankind and the one that he'll continue to use against us. We read in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, listen what it says. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So he approaches Eve and he said, is that really what God said? And that challenge leads Eve into failure and sin simply because she did not know what God said. It's one thing to hear me or somebody else stand up here and say, by his stripes we are healed. But if you're not reading that for yourself, When the doctor looks you in the face and gives you your prognosis and your diagnosis, the enemy may come to you and say, oh, is that really what God said? And if you don't know what God really said, then you can't give it back to him. So we find that Eve fell into failure and sin simply because she did not know what God said. And so often, just because we don't study, we don't know. And our lack of study results in the fulfillment And they don't have this one on the screen, but in the book of Hosea chapter 4, there's a verse that says, My people perish, and they're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You don't know what you don't know when you don't study the Word. In the Yosemite and Yellowstone National Parks, there are signs. I know we've got some folks there that are here this morning that have been there. But there are signs there that say, Do not feed the bears. I should have put me a sign on the screen this morning that said that. Many people, (laughs) I just didn't think about it quick enough. Oh, look there. Well, I didn't do that. I can't take credit for that. Lauren, man, you should have let me know. I'd have so acted like that was mine. But it says, do not feed the bears. There you go. See, he's done heard this once. (laughs) Most people think that these signs are there to protect the people. But the signs are actually there to protect the bears. Why? Because if they depend upon the tourists for food, then in the fall, they starve to death. Because every year, the forest rangers have to remove the dead carcasses of bears out of the woods who became so dependent on the tourists for food that they forgot how to find food for themselves. Can I tell you this morning, if we don't feed ourselves the word, we wind up like the bears. I'm about to preach right now. What do you mean, pastor? We wind up being dependent on the pastor. Being dependent on the Sunday school teacher. 
being dependent upon a podcast, and those are good, being dependent upon the TV preachers for food, and being dependent on somebody else for what we need spiritually, and all the while we are spiritually starving to death because we don't know how to hunt it and dig it out for ourselves. I thought Pastor John made such a good point last Sunday when he said that just because God is not standing over your shoulder with a checklist like a boss, we treat the things of God as if service to God is optional. Just because He's not standing over us with a checklist. That's one of the best analogies that I've ever heard. But I want you to consider this analogy. If you don't feed your children... Natural food, social services is going to come get them because of neglect, right? Yet, when it comes to the other things we feed them, here we go. Why is it that we prioritize everything else one can think of, but spiritual nutrition is way down on our priority list? I know ain't nobody going to help me with this this morning. The 845ers probably help me more than the 11 o'clockers will, but that's okay. We feed them sports. Yeah, I ain't even going to look up on that one. We feed them dance. We feed them music. We feed them amusement. We feed them vacation. We feed them the finer things of this life. But all the while, we give no thought to the fact that we are spiritually starving our children to death. And then we want to stand back and scratch our heads and we want to wonder what happened when they're faced with the troubles in this life and they turn to drugs and they turn to alcohol and they turn to perversion or they turn to same-sex lifestyles. But can I tell you this morning that turning to God was never their first instinct because all of their lives we fed them everything else except the things of God. It's time for the parents to feed the children and make it a number one priority on your list to make sure that they get the word of God in their life I should have titled this message feed the children turning to God's not their first instinct when we fed them everything else and listen to me I know you don't have to tell me Preaching this is never going to make me the most popular pastor in town. That's why I just can't never bring myself to quit the bank. Hallelujah. I just keep, as the old saying says, just keep my day job. Hallelujah. It's not going to make me the most popular pastor in town. But it is time that somebody takes a stand and says, Hey, mom and dad, stop starving your children. God didn't give them to you so that you could starve them to death. He gave them to you for you to nourish them in the things of God. So wake up. Get your priorities in order. Your priorities are out of order. Put God first in your life. And when you make God first in your life, He'll be first in theirs. Say amen, somebody. And now this morning, listen, I'm not, um, I'm not trying to offend any of my leadership in the church of God in Kentucky or any of my fellow pastors with what I'm about to say. But I'm going to say it. And you know, I, I never know that people are watching me until I say something that strikes a 
match somewhere. That's when I hear about it. So I may hear about this one, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because I feel like it needs to be said. I was given the, I guess you may say, the, the privilege and opportunity. I counted it an honor to serve in our state leadership. I was given the privilege and opportunity to be asked to MC our state teen talent competition a week ago this past Friday and Saturday. These are two of the four trophies that our young people got there. There were a few hundred teenagers that competed in multiple categories. And from Friday night for about four hours and Saturday for about six or seven hours, I sat on a bar stool behind a podium like this and introduced every kid that took that stage back to back to back all day long with a few 15-minute breaks and there was all. And I was appalled at the young men who entered the male vocal solo competition or some of the other music division competitions or the drama competitions who were effeminates. Yeah, I knew it would be quiet. Who were effeminates. This one kid who was a great singer took the stage and had his skinny jeans on, his bouffant hairdo, and he could sing. He was a good singer. But then he felt the need. I wasn't the adjudicator now. I was the MC. The adjudicator sat down in front of the stage. I was over here to the side, so I just kind of sat there and watched. The adjudicators were here. He takes the middle of the stage, and he felt the need to add some stage presence to his performance. And I don't know how else to describe it except it was sensual and provocative to a gospel song. And I sat there and I thought, my God, this is our church kids. If this is our church kids, then what are those kids like? If this is our church kids, then what are the unchurched like? Can I tell you this morning that it is time for men who take the pulpit, and I know maybe some of you ain't going to like this this morning, but I'm just going to say it. It's time for the men who take the pulpit to call the rest of the men in the church to order and to remind you, Dad, it's your job to be the priest of your home. I didn't choose this for my calling. God chose me. When it comes to being the priest of your home, that's not a choice you get to make. That's a choice that's made for you in the Word of God. So it's your responsibility, number one, before you teach them, I'm about to shout right here, before you teach them how to play ball, before you teach them how to fish, before you teach them how to build things, before you teach them how to do all the other things to shoot a gun, all the things that a boy needs to know, you need to first teach them how to be a child of God, the things of God, and the Word of God. It is your responsibility to be the priest of your home. Don't sit in the house playing video games all day and expect your children to raise themselves. Yes, I said that. I'm 42 years old. I'll be 43 next month. I've got friends that still play video games. What on earth? Get a job. Get a life. Get some responsibilities. It's your job to be the priest of the home. It's your job to lead by example. It's your job to teach them the Word of God and to make sure that they're being discipled. And it is your job to teach your boys how to be a man.
A lot of what's going on in this society today is because a lot of children are being raised without a father. Take it from somebody who lost their father when I was nine years old. Now, I had some good uncles, but I, and I, I preached most of their funerals. But I didn't have any that cared enough about me to come teach me the things that my dad would have taught me had he still been here. I'm just putting it out there for you. That's the way it was. So I was raised with two women. And a lot of the things that I learned about how to be a man, I was watching somebody that never knew I was watching them. I gleaned everything I could from every man that I could be around. But because I was raised with two women, I'll always care about my hair. It is what it is. But I gleaned what I could glean from every man I could be around. And then my father-in-law, but that wasn't until I was 19 years old. I started dating Angie and we married when I was 20. She was 20. And he's taught me a lot over the years. And I owe a lot to him. But before that, I gleaned everything I could from every man I could. So let me say this. Men of the church, it is our job to take the fatherless, because we have a lot of them. To take the fatherless under our wing and to do what their fathers should be doing but have neglected to do. That's what the men of the church are for. That's what the office of a deacon and a councilman is for. We ought to take the fatherless and we ought to teach them how to be men, but not only how to be men, how to be men of God. Can I hear an amen, somebody? A recent survey revealed that, listen to this, most Americans don't even know firsthand the overall story of the Bible. They don't even know the general story of the Bible because they rarely ever pick it up. One of the researchers said, and I quote, he said, even among worship attendees, think about that in this crowd today, less than half read the Bible daily. The only time most Americans hear from the Bible is when someone else is reading it. So he went on to say, Americans treat reading the Bible a little bit like exercise. They know it's important and helpful, but they don't do it. Americans are fond of the Bible, but they don't read it. They're fond of it, but they don't read it. So true disciples study. Why, Why, pastor, does that make me a true disciple? Because I study. There's all kinds of reasons I could give you this morning. Light, direction, protection, healing, provision, promises, on and on and on the list goes. But I want to keep it simple today. I'm going to hit two things very quickly before we close. We must be students of the Word for two reasons. Number one, studying the Word shows us Him. Study shows us Him. John, talking about Jesus, states that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus was the literal embodiment of the Word. Jesus Christ personified the Word of God. So when we study the written Word, we get a revelation about who Jesus is. So we said week before last that a disciple would follow a rabbi not to just be with him or just to learn his teaching, but also to learn his character. And it is as we read the Word of God that we learn the character of Jesus and how to be more like Jesus. And if we don't study the Word, then we can't really know the Word. Now remember, in that message I also told you that your feelings are liars. Now, we're, we're a church of God. We, we are emotional. I like emotional worship. I like it more emotional probably than it was today. Uh, but can I tell you this morning, your feelings and your emotions can be great liars. Not only can your feelings and your emotions be liars, but sometimes your experiences can lie to you as well. Too many of us rely upon liars to give us a revelation of Jesus. 
We meet the true Jesus in the Word. It's His Word that gives us a reliable and a clear picture of who He is. If we don't know His Word, listen to me, somebody can tell us untruths about Him that sound right, but they aren't true. That's why many people are misled and deceived. Too often we allow others to paint the picture of Him rather than seeing the picture that He's already drawn of Himself in this book. We must study so that we as sheep will know the voice of the shepherd. Scripture says that His sheep will know His voice. But we can't know His voice if we don't study His talk. Through His Word, He speaks for Himself rather than through the filter of somebody else's voice, somebody else's thoughts, or somebody else's feelings. Too many of us claim to be followers of Jesus, but at the same time, we're not devoted to His Word. Remember, we said that what devoted meant? It meant to give all of your time or part of your time and resources to a person, an activity, or a thing. We say we're followers of Jesus, but we're not devoted to His Word. But the daily saturation of the Word in the early church produced disciples. The disciples were disciples because they were daily students of the Word and they were disciplined by the Word. Nobody likes that word discipline because society today, nobody wants to be disciplined. Nobody, as a matter of fact, nobody wants to be wrong. Step farther, nobody thinks they are wrong. Uh-huh. But when we read the Word, it will discipline us. It shows me where I'm wrong. It'll show you where you're wrong. Secondly, reading the Word shows us us. Number one, reading the Word shows us Him. Secondly, reading the Word shows us us. Not only do we study to get a clear picture of Him, we study because as we read the Word, the Word of God reads us. Look at what Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says. It says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God means what He says. God means what He says in His Word. What God says goes. His Word is as sharp and as powerful as a surgeon's scalpel. It can cut through everything. Whether doubt or defense, it can cut through everything. And what God's Word does is it cuts us open and it lays us open to listen and to obey. As we study, we get a clear picture Of what is inside us and what needs to change. But until we study, we can't be obedient to change because we don't realize the change that's needed. Have you ever met anybody, and I know some of you will help me on this. You've all probably got them in your family. You know, they come to Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner. Have you ever met anybody who had no self-awareness? They had no filter. They were just rude, angry, calloused, bitter, sarcastic. All of the above, and they don't even know it. That's just who they are, right? But if we read the Word, the Word reads us. John and Janelle's talking about somebody in their family right now. I just totally lost them in this sermon. He probably leaned over and said, that's one of your... (laughs) If we read the Word, the Word reads us. And it points out things that need to be addressed in our lives in order for us to change in order for us to clean up and in order for us to become more like Jesus. Isn't isn't that what this walk is all about? 
becoming more like Jesus. Hey, he's still working on me. Anybody ever sing that song in Sunday school? Make me what I ought to be. Anybody sing that? Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. He's still working on me. He's still working on you. How many times have you been reading the Word of God when a light bulb goes off and the Scripture suddenly addresses you? Just all of a sudden it's like, bam, that's me. As they come to the music this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. All Scripture, say all. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what, what's this? What is wrong in our lives. What's this? It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Why would you read it that way, Pastor Sean? Because I don't care who we are. If we're sitting there and we think there's nothing wrong in our lives, this says all Scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong. Every one of us got something wrong in our lives. It corrects us. I love this. Not if you are wrong, when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. We must be trained in righteousness because without His Word, we're trained in nothing but religion and rules. Now, I don't say this to slight anybody's uh, genealogy or anybody's family tree or history or maybe even any, anybody's family now. But I'm going to say this. I don't care how long you wear your skirts. I don't care how long you grow your hair. I don't care whether or not you wear jewelry or earrings. I don't care whether or not if you're a man that you always wear jeans and never shorts, long sleeves, never short sleeves, white t-shirt up to your Adam's apple underneath your shirt. And I don't care if you never put makeup on your face. Quite honestly, I'm like the old preacher that said even an old barn looks better with a little paint on it. Some of you will get that about 2 o'clock this afternoon. But in all sincerity, all of those things are man-made laws, rules, and regulations. Holiness is not what's hanging in your closet. Holiness is what's hanging in your heart. If you don't study the Word of God, you'll get trained in religion and rules. We don't need religion and rules. We need to be more like Jesus. If we want to be disciples, we've got to be students of the Word. We've got to become devoted to study. We can't be satisfied with simply listening. We must dig into the Word so that we'll know Him and so that we will know us. I just simply want to ask you this morning, are you a student? of God's Word are you a student of God's Word are you devoted to His Word because God's Word will teach us what's true it'll make us realize what is wrong in our lives somebody said oh I'm not wrong Romans 3 and 23 all have sinned all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. God's Word corrects us when, not if, we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. If you will stand with me all over the house this morning, this afternoon. I want to ask you today with every head bowed and every eye closed, every head bowed and every eye closed, with nobody looking around, if you would do me a favor this morning, not look around. I want to ask you if you're seated here today and you say, Pastor, I realize from the word today that I need salvation. I need to make my calling and election sure. I need to make sure that I have accepted Jesus as my Savior and I'm ready to meet Him should I get called into eternity. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and put it back down this morning very quickly. We had a couple in the 845 service. One of them rededicated their life to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else this morning? If you're standing there and you say, Pastor, I just need to renew my commitment to Him. I've not been as devoted and committed to my service to the Lord as I should be. I need to I need to renew that today. I realize from the Word that I have a need to renew that today. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and put it back down? Yes, thank you for that hand. Yes, thank you. Thank you for being honest. Anybody else this morning? There were three. I need to renew my commitment to Him. Now, lastly, this yes, thank you. There were four. Anybody else? I need to renew my commitment to the Lord this morning. Now I'm going to ask you. You may be standing there, and you may say, Pastor, I just need to become a student of his word. I need to become a better devoted student of his word because I want to be a true disciple. I want to be like him and I want to study his word. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and put it back down? That's what I thought. Several hands all over the house this morning. I'm going to pray and they're going to sing and I'm going to ask all that will, particularly everyone that raised your hand. But and they, Listen, there were so many on the last one. You, you, No matter which one you raised on, you're going to blend right in with everybody else. I want to ask you, we've got time this morning. Let's spend just a few minutes in the altar talking to the Lord. I promise you, if you ask, He'll speak to you this morning and He'll show you what you need to do. Father, we come before you today. We love you. We thank you for your presence that we felt in this place today. We thank you for your word, God, that does teach us what's true and it shows us what's wrong in our lives and what we need to correct. God, I'm thankful that we don't stand before any other judges. I'm certainly not anybody's judge and nobody in here is anybody else's judge. God, we stand before you one day. God, that's all we want is we want to stand before you with clean hands and a pure heart. We want your word to change us. We just want to draw closer to you. We want to get back to the simplicity of the gospel. And we want to be devoted disciples that are devoted to reading and knowing your word. So I'm asking you to renew those today that need to renew their commitment to you. If there is somebody that's lost that didn't raise their hand, I'm asking God that before they leave this place, they would make their calling and election sure and know that they're ready to meet you should they go out into eternity. And Father, for all others today, I'm asking, Lord, that you would just help us as we renew our commitment to become a devoted disciple, a devoted student of your word. God, you're going to speak to us through your word. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in this altar service today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that will, please come as they sing this morning. Find a place to pray. Everybody that will, let's fill this altar and spend a few moments with the Lord.